A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. You, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer. You are named forever. Why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways, and harden not our hearts that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down with the mountains quaking before you. While you wrought awesome deeds, we cannot hope for such as they had not heard of from of old. No ear has ever heard, no eye ever seen any God but you doing such deeds for those who wait for him. Would that you might meet us doing right, that we were mindful of you in our ways. Behold, you are angry and we are sinful. All of us have become like unclean people. All our good deeds are like polluted rags. We have all withered like leaves. And our guilt carries us away like the wind. There is none who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to cling to you. For you have hidden your face from us and you have delivered us up to our guilt. Yet, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved. O shepherd of Israel, hearken from your throne upon the cherubim, shine forth, rouse your power, and come to save us. Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Once again, O Lord of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine and protect what your right hand has planted, the Son of Man, whom you yourself made strong. Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved. May your help be with the man of your right hand, with the Son of Man, whom you made yourself strong. Then we will no more withdraw from you, give us new life, and we will call upon your name. Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always and on your account for the grace of God bestowed on you in Christ Jesus, that in him you are enriched in every way, with all discourse and all knowledge, as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you firm to the end, irreproachable on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, and by him you are called to fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Be watchful, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man traveling abroad. He leaves home and places his servants in charge, each with his own work and the orders, and orders the gatekeeper to be on the watch. Watch, therefore, you do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or in the morning. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to begin with the end. The Gospel for the fourth Sunday of Advent, which lasts less than 24 hours this year because it falls on a Sunday or Christmas I should say falls on a Monday, so Christmas Eve is on Sunday. That gospel is the gospel of the Annunciation. We always read that. And so I'd like to focus a little bit on Mary, an icon of Advent, because she can help us understand what it means to really watch and the significance of proper watching. You're all familiar with the scene 
when Gabriel appears uh, to, to Mary and she conceives by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus. Here's how Luke starts the passage. This is Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 16. I'm sorry, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin named Mary, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So that first, that opening line, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. The six months is, is interesting. You know, Luke didn't have to say this. He could have just said, Gabriel appeared to Mary, or Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. The mention of, a, of, of the sixth month gives us a sense of a timeline, of a goal, of an expectation. So Mary is waiting. So for six months, she's looking, she's watching, she's hoping. Now it's been six months, the reference is to her cousin Elizabeth conceiving John the Baptist. That happened six months ago. That was a miracle, as you all know. Elizabeth was old age, she was barren. It's a sign that, that God is active and present. He's done this great thing. He's, he's brought John the Baptist now into the world. But Mary knows as great as John the Baptist is, as awesome as this miracle is, something even greater is coming. It's like the, that was the appetizer for the main course. So Mary's wanting this to happen. And so she's looking. Again, this, it's so simple, but the, the mention of the sixth month, halfway through now, the, the year, again, gives us not just this thing ran, randomly happened, God just suddenly appeared to Mary, you know, kind of struck her over the head out of the blue, but uh, Mary's been hoping for this. And so what? Those who hope, those who wait, and those who watch receive. And then th as the, the passage continues, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth. Yeah, we've read this a million times, so we kind of just take it for granted, but it's significant. Gabriel was sent from God. I have the image of God as, as like a, the commander of a battlefield. You know, he's, he's watching the battle. He's, he's minutely studying it. He's strategizing in his mind. And then, you know, he's making decisions. And then when the time is right, he determines, he calls in the cavalry the, to, you know, to finish off and, and, and make the, the great move. Sometimes we have an image of God as distant and removed from the situation. We think of all the things we want. You know, we want better health. We want you know, reconciliation with fallen away family members. We want an end to war and violence and so forth. You know, these great desires, we're looking for them. And it's like we think it's all up to us or it's all on us. We're the only ones who care. Again, God is like the commander who's asleep in the tent. Or he's like the guy playing golf who just sends in his secretary to, to actually do the work. Not the case. Again, God's sending in Gabriel is this, is this image that God is, is deeply concerned and involved and he cares. So he sends Gabriel where? Not to, not to Jerusalem, not to a woman who's like famous or is, you know, particularly religious. So not the, the daughter or the wife of the high priest in, in Jerusalem, no, to Mary, who is unknown, and to Nazareth, which is a backwater. Now, we might think like we're, you know, we're something special, but we're really not. I mean, no one really knows us. We're not Taylor Swift or whatever. And 
Uh, you know, Park Ridge is, yeah, it's a good suburb and Chicago is a great city, but it's not the most important suburb or the most important city in the world. We're, we're a relative backwater, but that's exactly where God wants to come. He, well, he wants to come to you in your seemingly insignificant detail. You might think, well, I'm suffering from cancer. I've lost my job. Like, But there's people dying of hunger. That's more important. I mean, yeah, people dying of hunger is important, but God cares as much about that as he does about you and your your cancer or your broken leg or whatever it might be. Uh, the falling out you've had with your your spouse, the breakdown of your marriage. If you're watching, if you're waiting, if you're wanting it to come, then God will come to you. So this is the problem the Israelites get themselves into. Okay, obviously they're not watching or they're not watching for the right thing. And they they don't think um, the backwaters, the, the little details are important. I love the scene then. So Gabriel goes on to explain, um, look, you're going to conceive Jesus. And uh, what does he say? He will be great and he will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever and of, of his kingdom. There will be no end. So Gabriel is giving all these like political macro details about how great Jesus is going to be. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to have this great kingdom. What's Mary's response to that? She says, how can this be since I have no relations with a man? So it's fascinating. Mary, she doesn't care about the, the political stuff and how great Jesus is going to be for, for the kingdom. If she cares about how, how am I going to be able to conceive? I mean, she loved Joseph dearly. She loved God. So she recognizes, okay, something, something's got to give here. That's what's of concern is her love for the Lord. So it's it's a it's a great witness and a, and a model for us. It, it's like sometimes we can be all, you know, read up and and focused on you know politics and and, and affair world affairs, current events or sports, you know, culture. And you know, we don't know we don't know anything about God, or even like Catholics. I you know it always hurts when I I see Catholics who's like. They know all about what's going on in the Vatican and they read all of the, you know, the church news websites and, you know, the drama in the church and, you know, little, you know, things about the liturgy. But it's like, hey, do you, do you ever pray or like tell me about, you know, how would you do you know about scripture? And they're like, no, I don't know about that. It's like, what's more important? Your relationship with God, your love with God. How is God can, can come into your womb? into your heart versus like how he's going to come into the, the quote unquote church at large or the, the nation at large. Not saying we shouldn't care about the church or the nation, but, but we can't neglect the here and now and what's immediate. And that is again, God coming into our lives. Mary, Mary gets at that. If we're, Mary desires God's love and she desires God to come alive into her heart. And that's what she gets. She didn't care about the, the restoration of the of the kingship uh, or, you know, whether Jesus' sons are going to rule on this thousand-year empire in, in Jerusalem. She doesn't care about that. That's not what happens. This is what, again, the Israelites, you know, when they're lamenting uh, in Isaiah here, they, they have this, they say, you know, why, Lord, why don't you just come down and, and rend, rend the heavens, come down, make the mountains quake before you. Uh, it's like they think God is distant. And they want, again, just what? The restoration of their kingship. They don't want themselves individually to be holy. And so they don't get that. 
Paul, on the other hand, sees the Corinthians desiring what's important, holiness, and he gives thanks to them. That's, that's our second reading. He says, what I give thanks to my God always on your account for the grace of God bestowed on you for the spiritual gifts that you've received. Not because you're shrewd and political or worldly or church affairs, but because you've received the grace of God. May we too receive the grace of God. May that be our focus. May that be what we watch for and desire. And may it come about here during this season of Advent. Amen.